guys, why don't you do me a favor, or can you do me a favor? Why don't you high-five the people around you and tell them it's going to be a good, oh no, tell them it's a good day. Did you get everybody in your, in your area? Everybody? Everybody got a high-five from you? Yeah. Yesterday we went to my... Um, this is not part of my sermon, but I just want to share it. Yesterday we went to my, uh, my nephew's, uh, one of my nephew's basketball game, and uh, their coach is okay, but the other team's coach was amazing. Like, he had us like, oh, my God, he's such a good coach. And so one thing that he said to his, um, that he would say to the little kids was everybody touches the ball. And if, like, one kid wanted to shoot without passing, he would say, hey, look, that's good, but you have to make sure to pass because everybody touches the ball. So today, everybody touches the hand. So, <laughs> so that's why I'm like, make sure everybody got a high five from you in your area. How are you guys feeling today? Good? I'm doing good, too. I'm kind of excited. No, I am excited. Uh, <laughs> so this is the last. Um, part of this series entitled Sovereign. So yeah, so this, this series was, is my first series that I've ever been able to preach to you guys. And I was, I was kind of like a little nervous about it because I'd never preached three Sundays in a row. And can you guys just like give my husband a hand? Because he preached like all of last year pretty much straight. So... I mean, I'm kind of like sweating doing three weekends in a row. I don't know how you did all of last year. But so this series was basically, I, what I wanted to do with it is I wanted to share with you guys some of what I had gone through, through my life prior and specifically last year. And I really wanted you to understand and hopefully receive something good from it. So the first part or the intro was my testimony. Uh, did you guys hear that? hope you guys are blessed by that. Last weekend, we talked about the importance of knowing God's heart for our lives, for every situation in our lives. And that's really important to understand his heart for us. Also last weekend, I, I closed part one with a question. God had a question for you guys. And his question was, do you trust me? Some of you may have answered that question last Sunday. But for those of you that didn't answer that question last Sunday, I hope that you took it home and that you sat with it. And, and if you still haven't answered it, I hope you're still sitting on it and still working that out with God. How many of you guys know it's important to trust God? Amen. Amen. So let's pray. Um, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you, God, because you're, you're good. You're really good, and you're good to us. And I just, I thank you, God, for, for being in this place today. I thank you, God, for, for just loving on us the way that you do. I thank you, God, for the beautiful worship that we had. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for moving. Thank you so much for, for touching our hearts. Thank you so much for giving us peace and joy and everything good, God. We just, we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Heavenly Father, we love you. We just love you, God. You are good. Can you guys say, you are good? 
All right, in Jesus' name, amen. So last summer, um, last summer I got my first pair of Adidas Classics. Good shoes, right? I had different Adidas before, but I never had a pair of Classics. And so last summer I got my first pair, and they were like these brand new white tennis shoes. How many of you guys have ever had white tennis shoes before? Raise your hand. Okay, so brand new white tennis shoes that I had waited a while to get. So I promised myself that I was going to take care of them. I was going to clean them every day. They were going to go back in their box after every use. The box was going to go in a safe place. Like, even when I wore them, I was going to be careful, like, how I stepped. Like, no scuffing, no, like, sharp corners or anything. And that lasted for a while. Because I had waited for a while to get these shoes. And when I got them, I was so excited about them. And I was so grateful for them. And so I said, these things of value, I'm going to take care of really, really good. And so that lasted for a while. But maybe three, four, I want to say it was longer, but I'm not sure. Months after, I didn't take care of them anymore. <laughs> if you were to ask me today where my Adidas are, the answer would be they're definitely not in the box. Where is the box? I don't know. But yeah, I don't know if you guys can relate to that. I don't know if you guys can, can relate to waiting to get something and that's something holding so much value to you. But for some reason or another, after some time, that valuable thing isn't good enough. It's, it's not as valuable. I don't know if you guys relate to that. Can you guys relate to that? Well, if you guys relate to that, you're not alone. Because you have me, the ungrateful person up here speaking to you. Just kidding. And you have the Israelites. You guys remember them? Israelites? Well, the Israelites waited a very long time to get their very valuable something. They waited almost 400 years for their freedom. Can you guys imagine waiting so long? Like, what you're waiting for doesn't happen in your lifetime or in your ch children's lifetime or even in their children's lifetime. It, it's a long time of waiting. So anticipation for this promise, anticipation for this freedom had built up. For some, they had let it go, but for others, it had built up. And so 400 years passed, you guys. 400 years. And finally, the day comes. Moses, or God through Moses, goes to Pharaoh, and you guys know the story. He goes to Pharaoh, and he says to Pharaoh, let my people go. Let my people go. And through some negotiations, <laughs> the Pharaoh lets God's people go. So the Israelites are on their way to freedom, right? They're not at their total freedom because they have to journey but they're on their way to freedom. And so on their way to freedom, they encounter this, this roadblock. And this roadblock is the big Red Sea. 
So can you imagine 400 years, you're free, you're walking it out. Ugh. Red Sea. I mean, maybe we can work this out, maybe we can build some boats or something. But they didn't have the luxury of time because Pharaoh had changed his mind and was now after them. I really love this part of this story because I believe that God not only wanted to give them their freedom, but he wanted to give them this amazing gesture. He wanted to show his love and kindness and goodness to his people. Along with freedom, he wanted to give them this amazing thing, which was an amazing grand exit. Some of us cannot actually see it also as an amazing grand entrance. But anyway, so God orchestrated this because if you guys remember the story, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And that's why Pharaoh decided to chase after these people. And so God set it all up so that these people can come to the Red Sea, have this like sense of urgency, and then have God deliver them. God tells Moses, pick up your staff. And so Moses picks up his staff, and the most incredible thing happens. The Red Sea parts. Can you imagine those huge walls of water just, like, I don't know how it happened, but I could imagine it would start kind of like with a bubble somewhere, and like the bubbles grow bigger and bigger and bigger, and all of a sudden you see like the separation of the water, and then the way I picture it is these Walls of water just shoot up from the ground, clearing these, this path down the middle. And that's what God did for his people because he loved them. Because he wanted to give them this grand entrance slash exit. I believe the reason God wanted to do that is because God wanted these people to take something with them on the journey. Something amazing that they could hold on to. Along with their freedom... He was going to give them something else, something amazing, this miracle that had never happened before. But as we all, some of us may know, this grand gesture, even the freedom itself, wasn't good enough. After a while, the Israelite people were hungry. And that wall wasn't going to feed them. That miraculous parting of the sea wasn't doing anything for them anymore. Now they needed something else, and that old thing was not enough. So what does God do? Manna. Can you tell your neighbor, it's raining manna? <laughs> Hallelujah, it's raining manna. So God listens to his people. And it starts to rain manna from heaven. This amazing, miraculous manna food comes from heaven. And the, what's amazing is that the people get to experience this miracle every day. Every day it rains just enough for the day. And the following day, again, just enough for that day. And the day after that, again, just enough for that day. But... Again, our beloved Israelites, they grow tired of this miraculous manna. They've become bored with this miracle manna that rains from heaven. 
it's crazy how, to me, thinking, like stepping back and looking at that, it's crazy to see how something so miraculous can become mundane. How miracle manna can become boring. How does that happen? How did that happen to them? So I want you guys to join me now. We're going to read the Bible. Um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. I'm going to read the English Standard Version. In, in this portion, there's three things that I want to highlight to you guys. As I was reading these verses, there were three things that stood out to me that I want to unpack here with you guys today. So let's read the first part, verse 15. And it says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Let's stop there. So it says, look after each other, and you can take it off. Look after each other so that all of you receive the grace of God. Other versions say, make sure that everyone obtains the grace of God. A few years ago, we learned at a retreat that grace is Jesus. Jesus is grace, right? Amen? So this verse is telling us that we have to obtain grace. And, well, we have to make sure everybody obtains grace. And I find this really interesting because grace is, is something that we've talked about here for a long time, right? It's in our name, for goodness sake. But it's so important that we all obtain the grace of God. And how is this grace of God obtained? It's obtained by talking about it a lot. It's understood by talking about it a lot. Along with obtaining it, we have to continuously grow in it. We have to obtain grace and grow in grace. And the way that we grow in grace, and this is pretty cool, the way that we grow in grace is by making sure that we're still in love with it every single day. Amen. This grace can never get boring to us. Because if we think about it, if grace is Jesus, we can never get bored of that. It can never become mundane to us. Jesus' story is so amazing. He came, oh, he came to this earth, and he died, and he came back to life three days later. That's a miracle. Amen. Additionally, or, or on top of that, he was born of a virgin. And that had never happened before his time. I don't know if it's happened after. Let me know after if you've heard of that. I've never heard of it. But for sure it never happened before him. So you have Jesus who came from a, a virgin, which is a miracle, died and came back to life, which is a miracle. So this story of Jesus should excite us every day. We should never get tired of saying and recounting this story. And the way that we make sure everybody obtains it, again, is we must first understand it. We must first have obtained it and grow in it. And then after that, we can make sure everyone else obtains it too. But the way that we ensure that everyone else, that everyone else obtains it is by the way that we share it with them. We can't pass over grace. We can't pass over Jesus. When we share about his love, when we share about him, when we share about what he did, Ephesians uh, 2, that says that by his grace we are saved. Because of this grace that we have to obtain, we are saved. Because of that grace, 
we have right standing with God. And so when we share it to others, when we make sure others obtain it, we have to share it with that same passion. Get together with people outside of here and go out to like Denny's or IHOP or Starbucks or wherever you like to go hang out. Go for a run, um, wherever you want to go. And afterwards or during, share, talk, get together and recount the story of Jesus amongst each other. Because it's something that we cannot see as mundane. It's something that we have to rejoice and be glad about every day. The Bible says that his graces are new every morning. And so his graces, his grace is amazing every day. Amen? Okay. Let's go to the other part of that same verse. Okay, so it says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness spring, springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. Okay. So we have to make sure that we're obtaining grace. And also it's warning us not to let this root of bitterness spring up within us. Judah Smith says that a root of bitterness is like this leak that happens inside of us. And this leak warps our view of God. This, leaks, this leak warps your view and understanding of who God is. Talking to my husband, he was explaining to me that bitterness is the, uh, is the absence of gratitude. If there's no gratitude, then the possibility of bitterness is there. Bitterness comes from disappointment. Bitterness comes from praying into something and not getting it and letting that disappointment grow inside of you. Bitterness comes from not understanding or having a warped, twisted understanding of who God is. Because if we don't understand who God is, then he can disappoint us. Or better said, if we don't understand who God is, then we allow him to disappoint us. Does that make sense? It's not that he actually is, but in our perspective, it is happening. And it's happening because our view, our perspective is warped. Our perspective of him is not clear. We have this root of bitterness inside of us. Judas, he had this root of bitterness because he had a warped view of Jesus Christ. If we think about Judas, it's so crazy because he walked with Jesus every day for all those three years. He walked with him. He saw the miracles happen. I'm sure he saw Lazarus come back from the dead. He saw all those 5,000 being fed. And he himself performed some of those miracles. But to Judas, Jesus had become mundane. To Judas, Jesus wasn't who he was. Jesus wasn't God to Judas. Judas didn't see Jesus like God. Judas didn't see the importance Jesus held. Judas followed Jesus for his own gain, literally, because this dude was stealing. He was stealing from the money pot and making himself richer. Not only that, but he also sold Jesus. At the end, he sold him for 30 pieces of silver. If we understood who Jesus is, we wouldn't sell him for anything. 
But this guy sold him for 30 pieces of silver because he didn't understand who Jesus was. He didn't understand who he was walking with. And if we don't understand who we're walking with, if we don't understand this grace, and if we don't grow in it, then we're vulnerable to this root of bitterness. The questions that I talk to you guys a lot, uh, 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 let me rewind that. The questions that I talked to you guys about last week come from that root of bitterness. That's where those questions come from. So to avoid bitterness or to remove bitterness, we grow in grace. We grow in Jesus. Let's read the, the next part. I believe it's verse 16. And this part is, is funny. It says that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. Do you guys know who Esau is? If you don't know who Esau is, you can find it in Genesis. Look it up online, Google it, Google Esau, and you'll find it. But the gist of Esau is one day he, he came home exhausted and starving. Exhausted and starving. He goes to his brother Jacob and he asks him for some soup. But his brother Jacob wanted to negotiate with him. His brother Jacob wanted to exchange this soup for something of Esau's. And when I was reading this, I, I felt like God spoke to me and he gave me this example to like better understand the situation. How many firstborns do we have in here? Like how many of you guys are firstborns? Okay. Now tell me the truth, okay? If your little brother or your little sister came at you, if you came to them and you said, hey, can I have some soup? And they were to say, no, give me something in return first. What would you respond to that as an older sibling? Any takers? <laughs> no, okay, maybe I'm wrong, okay? Maybe I'm wrong, but I'd be like, what? Get out of here, give me that soup. What are you talking about? I don't have to give you nothing. Move aside. Give me the soup if you don't want to give it to me. I'll get my, my own soup. I wouldn't trade anything. I'm the older sister. I'm not going to negotiate anything of mine to get something from my little sibling. Like, that doesn't, I don't know. <laughs> but what happened here is that Esau came exhausted and starving. But what happened was that Esau was so exhausted and his hunger was so crazy that he forgot who he was. He let his circumstance overtake who he was. His situation was more important than who he was called to be. Because of his hunger, because of his desperation, because of his exhaustion, he negotiated with his younger brother, and he gave away his birthright. Do you guys know what that is? Back then, the birthright usually would go to the oldest child, and it, it basically would be like this, it was this inheritance. Not only was it an inheritance, but this older sibling was gonna carry on the family's legacy after the parents were gone. And that was Esau's. That belonged to him. 
but because he was so consumed and so blinded by his circumstance, he forgot who he was. He forgot his place. He forgot what his father had given him. He forgot what was his. On top of that, he didn't realize that he was also entitled to that soup. That soup didn't belong to Jacob. Esau was entitled to that soup. Isn't that crazy? Jacob, sneaky guy, made uh, Esau pay for something that was free to him. All because Esau wasn't paying attention. All because Esau forgot. His hunger and his exhaustion caused him his identity. And it caused him his inheritance. How many times has the enemy come to rob you of something? To get you to doubt about who you are and what belongs to you and what your place is? And how many times have we let him do it? How many times have we let someone sneaky like Jacob come around us and understand our worth, our value, what we possess more than we do? Has that ever happened to you guys? It's crazy how sometimes an enemy can understand your worth so much than you can because you're so consumed by your situation. You're so consumed by your circumstance. You guys are too quiet. Say something. Esau forgot his inheritance, you guys. He forgot it. His struggle, his desperation, don't let your struggle, don't let your desperation be so prevalent in your life that it causes you to forget your blessings. Amen. That it causes you to forget who your father called you to be and what he gave to you. Don't let your circumstances get you to forget who you are. Okay, before I go into this, let's do this. I did this with Mario last night and it was so good. Okay, so take a deep breath. Don't do this yet. I'm going to explain it first. So take a, you're going to take a deep breath, and as you exhale, you're going to make a noise. Like, whatever noise comes out of you, like, <sighs> like, if that's the noise, then make that noise. Okay, ready? So let's exhale. One, two, three. Oh, inhale. One, two, three. <sighs> let's do it again. One, two, three. <sighs> okay. That's good, right? Do you guys feel calmer? Do you? So uh, sometime last year, I was having like a moment with God in my, in my house, in my room, having a moment with him. And this wasn't like a pleasant moment, and this isn't a moment that like I would want to share with you, but I'm going to share with you because, I mean, it's, it's, this is kind of like the point. <laughs> so sometime last year, I, um, I was in my room, and I started to complain to God. And I, I was just kind of super caught up in my desperation, super caught up in my circumstance. And I just kind of had it out with God. And I started to talk to him and actually not talk, but more like complain to him. And I started complaining to him about everything that I felt was missing in my life. Specifically, not having a children, not having a child. I was complaining to him about that. And 
Man, I don't know if you've ever wanted something. I think I've asked this to you guys already, but I'm going to ask it again. But I don't know if you've ever wanted something so much that it becomes the focal point of your life. Like everything revolves around it. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. But that's what happened to me. Everything, everything revolved around this focal thing. And I felt like not getting this focal thing meant that I had a, a a crappy deal in life. And I was telling God that. I was telling him, God, you know, like, you know how tough the fertility stuff was. Like, you know how, um, how excited we were about that. And you didn't come through. Like, you just, you didn't come through. That, that's, that's tough. You know how long we've been wanting this. You know how long we've been pressing into this. And you're not coming through. You know this is all we want. Like, you know this is what I want most. And I feel like you're not giving this to me. Why aren't you giving this to me? I just kept complaining to him. And in that, like, cry to him, in that desperation, I, I, I was telling him that I felt like I just, I just want to be a mother. And I feel like if, I, if I'm not, then I feel like my life is pointless. Like, I feel like I have nothing. Because this focal point that I'm revolving my existence around is not being given to me. You're not giving it to me. And because you're not giving me this one thing, I feel like I have nothing. And as I was complaining to him and just crying it out with him, he stopped me. And he said, think about your husband. Is your husband nothing? Is your husband not enough? I don't know if you've ever had God ask you something like this. But this question, I don't know, it, it shook me. Like it stopped me in my tracks. And I, I thought about my husband. And I, I don't think we've ever, I don't think I've ever told you guys, and I don't think you guys know how amazing Mario is. Like, I don't think you guys know how amazing he is. Like, you don't know what he's put up with the past 10 years. You don't know. You don't know what he's forgiven, what he's encouraged, how he's uplifted. Like, you don't know how he's heard me say the dumbest things, the most unchristian things, and was there to support me and get me back on track. Like, you don't know what he's gone through in our marriage, but he's, he's so amazing. Last weekend, I was so consumed by, like, coming and sharing this message to you guys because... Last weekend, I just wanted to make sure that I shared it to you guys in a way that it, would, that it would come across. And I just got caught up in my own thoughts. And I was so nervous up here. And Mario, from his seat, was shouting amen and shouting things out to me because he knew that I was having a hard time. But he wanted to help me from his seat. That's the kind of husband he is. He's been such a provider. You have no idea how amazing my husband is. And if you don't know him, 
If you don't know how amazing he is, I encourage you to get to know him. Because if you don't know how amazing he is, then you're missing out on getting to know an awesome person. But this man is incredible. And at that moment, God was, was asking me if this incredible man was not enough. If this amazing man was something to pass over. <sighs> okay, then, then God asked me another question. After I had my, my time appreciating my husband, God asked me another question. And he said, am I enough? Am I not enough in your life? Have I not been enough in your life? And this second question just broke me further because my attitude and my perspective was not reflecting Mario being enough. It wasn't reflecting God being enough. And God was asking me that question and man, that question, that question broke me. And I fell to my knees and I started to repent and change my mind, change my perspective. And I started to cry out to him, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, God, because of everything that I've said to you. I'm so sorry for pushing you to the side. I'm so sorry for passing you over. I'm so sorry, God. And I started to tell him over and over and over, of course you're enough. Of course you're enough. I told him, God, I, I'm sorry that I forgot about grace. I forgot about my, I forgot about my inheritance. I forgot. I forgot about you and how amazing you are. I don't know why my nose is running. But can we, can we go now to Psalm? We're going to go to Psalms 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. I forgot about everything God is. Of course God is enough. So after I had my moments with God, after I had that moment with him, God is, God is amazing, you guys, because... In that moment, I was telling him, God, you're enough. God, Mario's enough. Like, everything's enough. Like, you know, I, I, I was kind of getting that. But God understood that I was in my emotions. But in order for him to get me to open up, he had to ask me those questions. He had to get to my emotion so that I can open up and receive, receive the truth. But then he wanted to make sure that I really understood what he was saying to me. And so after that, he, uh, he wanted me to understand gratitude. 
And I'm going to tell you what gratitude is, or more likely what gratitude isn't. So I can say, God, yeah, I don't have a child, but man, I have an amazing husband. I have enough. Because there are women out there who would do anything to have a husband like mine. So you know what, God? I'm grateful. Some people might say, God, we have one child and we really want another one. But you know what? There's some family out there who doesn't even have the one. So you know what, God? We at least have one. And for that, I am grateful. Then you can have the person who would say, man, I'm drowning in bills. Or, man, I want a new apartment because mine sucks. My landlord is just weird. Or, you know, like, I wish I had better things. And then that person can say, but you know what? There are people out there that don't have a roof over their heads. And yeah, I want financial freedom, but there's people out there who don't even have a roof over their head. So you know what? I'm grateful for what I have. That's not gratitude. That's not gratitude. What that is, that's making yourself feel better by comparing your situation with someone you think has it worse than you. And because someone has it worse than you, you find comfort in your better situation. And that's not gratitude. And that's not what God wants us to live out. That's not being grateful. Gratitude isn't measured by what we have or don't have. Because what about those that have nothing? No family, no roof, like no health. Like what about those that we would consider have nothing? What would then, what would they have to be grateful for then? If they can't, if they can't make their, situ their situation better than someone else, then what will they be grateful for? They can be grateful for God because they have God. If we have nothing, one thing we'll have forever and we'll never lose is God. Gratitude, you guys, begins at John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that who should believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God gave everybody in the world Jesus. So everybody in the world has Jesus. And we can never lose Jesus. And if we have Jesus, then we have it all. If we have Jesus, our situation is already better. Even in our sorrows, even while drowning, even in the pain that we're experiencing, if we have Jesus, then we have it all. We have everything in him. He is everything to us. He should be everything to us. We can say, God, when things don't go my way, when I prayed for something and it didn't work out the way I intended for it to work out, I will choose, I will choose to trust you because you're sovereign. You know what you're doing. You're everything in my life. Your heart is for me. 
And I know that because I trust you, because you're good enough. You're more than enough. And because you're more than enough, and because I trust you, and because I've obtained grace, and I'm continuing to grow in grace, then I understand you. And because I understand you, then I know that you're enough. You're enough. Can you guys tell your neighbor, God's enough? Can you guys say it with excitement? Okay, so hearing this from God last year, it gave me a breakthrough. Like this one conversation with God started me on this amazing path with him. And I know the beginning of this series was kind of murky, and some of you guys looked really worried about me. (laughs) I want to tell you today that that one conversation with him last year started me on a really good path with him that I'm actually enjoying a lot right now. (laughs) Because of that conversation, the feelings of being void, the feelings of having nothing, the feelings of being incomplete, like all of that just drifted away, like started just melting off. I didn't feel hopelessness. God was enough. The struggle, our struggle, shouldn't get us to lose sight of our inheritance. Can you tell your neighbor, really excited, I ain't losing it? it. (laughs) Tell someone else, I ain't losing it. (laughs) And just to be clear, you guys are talking about your inheritance. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, so let's go to um, Philippians, the book of Philippians, and we're going to go to chapter 1, and we're going to read verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So Paul, right, he's, he's talking to the church of Philippi, and he's telling the church, this is his perspective. His perspective is, yeah, I'm in jail, but it's not such a bad thing that I'm in here. Because me being in here, has caused all of the guards to know Jesus. Me being in here has caused you guys to be stronger and not have fear. So me being in here, we can kind of interpret it as a good thing because of what it's caused. My suffering in here, suffering in here, God is turning for good out there in the world for you guys. And Paul is good. Paul isn't worried. Paul isn't afraid. Paul has this perspective about his situation, and it's amazing. Look, Mario and I, we still want to be parents, and we still want to pursue it with with whatever we can do to make it happen. And we're going to pursue it partnering with God and discovering what his heart is for our lives, what his heart is for our situation. So we're going to pursue this with God. But I do want to tell you this, though. Look, 
our situation or what we're asking for hasn't come to pass. Our, our kid isn't over there being taken care of. Like, we're still in a process. I'm not preaching to you about this after the fact. And not saying preaching after the fact is not good, it's still good, but in my case, I'm, I'm not preaching to you after the fact. I'm preaching to you in, in, the, in the moment, in the circumstance, in the process. And the purpose of me wanting to share this series with you, the reason that I'm up here and I'm so open with you guys about my personal stuff is because like Paul, I want you to be encouraged by what we've gone through. And I want you to know the ins and outs of what we've gone through because it's not, it hasn't been pretty all the time. It hasn't been like hallelujah all the time. It hasn't. And that might happen to you. It might not be hallelujah for you all the time. But hopefully, our example, hopefully you knowing that I went through the desert and I came back, hopefully you knowing that I went through my really bad stuff, that I was really in my head, that I was in the, in the place that I was, and God has taken me out of that. And now still not having that baby, I can tell you that God is enough. And I hope that me telling you that God is enough, even though my situation isn't quote-unquote resolved, you can too. You can praise him in your situation. You can praise him in your process. You're not alone in that. Look, I'm going to give you guys a hypothetical. Let's say that Mario and I are not meant to have kids. Let's say that, right? Hypothetical. If, if God's plans for our lives doesn't include our children of our own, then our lives are still going to be amazing. Our lives are still going to be fulfilled because God is in it. Because God is in our lives. Even if we never get that thing that we asked for, we have God. And God is enough. And man, I'm, I'm telling you, that's a truth in my life. I'm not telling you this because it sounds pretty or it sounds like what a preacher should be saying. I'm telling you this because it's the truth in our lives. God is enough. God is good when we get the thing. And God is good even if we don't get the thing. Getting the thing doesn't make God better. God is better on his own. Look, last year was difficult because of everything that I've already shared with you. But there was breakthrough. And last year, God taught me how to lean on him. And hopefully through this, you can learn how to lean on him. Hopefully through this, you can understand that you're not made, you're not made weak by your situation. You're not a victim to your circumstance. You're not in bondage. 
You're not tied to any struggle. You are not imprisoned. You are not a captive. You are free. You are free. And don't let this precious freedom be something that you pass over. Don't let God be something that becomes mundane. Enjoy it. Know what you have in him. Know that he is enough. Know that he is good. God is on our side and we can trust him. Amen? So I want you to get up on your feet. Look, you can do this with me if you want to. If you don't want to, it's totally fine. But look, you've heard it from me. God has heard it from me. And now God wants to hear it from you. God is asking you today, am I enough? Is he enough? Is God enough in your life today? So I'm going to give you a moment to meditate on that question as our worship team ministers to us. But meditate because God wants to hear from you. God wants to hear from you. Is he enough? Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We pray that you are filled and encouraged by today's message. For more information about Grace and Love, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Love Church. Make sure you check us out again next week. Thanks again and God bless you.